chapter three of pioneers of the old south by mary johnston this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three jamestown in historians accounts of the first months at jamestown too much perhaps has been made of faction and quarrel all this was there men set down in a wilderness amid virginian heat men mostly young of the active rather than the reflective type men uncompanioned by women and children men beset with dangers and sufferings that were soon to tax heavily their courage and patience such men naturally quarrelled and made up quarrelled again and again made up darkly suspected each the other as they darkly suspected the forest and the indian then need of friendship dominating embraced each the other felt the fascination of the forest and trusted the indian however much they suspected rebellion treacheries and desertions they practised fidelities though to varying degrees and there was in each man's breast more or less of courage and good intent they were prone to call one another villain but actual villainy save as jealousy suspicion and hatred are villainy seems rarely to have been present even one who was judged a villain and shot for his villainy seems hardly to have deserved such fate jamestown peninsula turned out to be feverous fantastic hopes were matched by strange fears there were homesickness incompatibilities unfamiliar food and water and air class differences in small space some petty tyrannies and very certain dangers the worst summer heat was not yet and the fort was building trees must be felled cabins raised a field cleared for planting fishing and hunting carried on and some lading some first fruits must go back in the ships no gold or rubies being as yet found they would send instead cedar and sassafras hard work enough there at jamestown in the virginian low country with may warm as northern midsummer and all the air charged with vapour from the heated river with exhalations from the rank forest from the many marshes the first night of our landing about midnight says george percy in his discourse there came some savages sailing close to our quarter presently there was an alarm given upon that the savages ran away not long after there came two savages that seemed to be commanders bravely dressed with crowns of coloured hair upon their heads which came as messengers from the werowance of pasphahay telling us that their werowance was coming and would be merry with us with a fat deer the eighteenth day the werowance of pasphahay came himself to our quarter with one hundred savages armed which guarded him in very warlike manner with bows and arrows some misunderstanding arose the werowance seeing us take to our arms went suddenly away with all his company in great anger the nineteenth day percy with several others going into the woods back of the peninsula met with a narrow path traced through the forest 
pursuing it they came to an indian village we stayed there a while and had of them strawberries and other things one of the savages brought us on the way to the woodside where there was a garden of tobacco and other fruits and herbs he gathered tobacco and distributed to every one of us so we departed it is evident that neither race yet knew if it was to be war or peace what the white man thought and came to think of the red man has been set down often enough there is scantier testimony as to what was the red man's opinion of the white man here imagination must be called upon newport's instructions from the london council included exploration before he should leave the colonists and bring the three ships back to england now with the pinnace and a score of men among whom was john smith he went sixty miles up the river to where the flow is broken by a world of boulders and islets to the hills crowned to-day by richmond capital of virginia the first adventurers called these rapid and whirling waters the falls of the far west to their notion they must lie at least halfway across the breadth of america misled by indian stories they believed and wrote that five or six days march from the falls of the far west even through the thick forest would bring them to the south sea the falls of the far west where at richmond the james goes with a roaring sound around tree-crowned islets it is strange to think that they once marked our frontier how that frontier has been pushed westward is a romance indeed and still to-day it is but a five or six days journey to that south sea sought by those early virginians the only condition for us is that we shall board a train to-morrow with the airship the south sea may come nearer yet the indians of this part of the earth were of the great algonquin family and the tribes with which the colonists had now to do were drawn probably by a polity based on blood ties into a loose confederation within the larger mass newport was told that the name of the river was powhatan the name of the chief powhatan and the name of the people powhatans but it seemed that the chief powhatan was not at this village but at another and a larger place named wero wocomoco on a second great river in the back country to the north and east of jamestown newport and his men were well entreated by the indians but yet says percy the savages murmured at our planting in the country the party did not tarry up the river back came their boat through the bright weather between the virtuous banks all green and flower tinted save where it might be seen the brown of indian clearings with bark covered huts and thin upcurling blue smoke before them once more rose jamestown palisaded now and riding before it the three ships and here there barked an english dog and here were englishmen to welcome englishmen both parties had news to tell but the town had most on the twenty sixth of may indians had made an attack four hundred of them with the werowance of paspahay one englishman had been killed a number wounded four of the council had each manned his wound newport must now lift anchor and sail away to england he left at jamestown a fort having three bulwarks at every corner like a half-moon 
and four or five pieces of artillery mounted in them a street or two of reed thatched cabins a church to match a storehouse a market-place and drill-ground and about all a stout palisade with a gate upon the river-side he left corn sown and springing high and some food in the storehouse and he left a hundred englishmen who had now tasted of the country fare and might reasonably fear no worse chance than had yet befallen newport promised to return in twenty weeks with full supplies john smith says that his enemies chief amongst whom was wingfield would have sent him with newport to england there to stand trial for attempted mutiny whereupon he demanded a trial in virginia and got it and was fully cleared he now takes his place in the council before time denied him he has good words only for robert hunt the chaplain who he says went from one to the other with the best of counsel were they not all here in the wilderness together with the savages hovering about them like the philistines about the jews of old how should the english live unless among themselves they lived in amity so for the moment factions were reconciled and all went to church to partake of the holy communion newport sailed having in the holds of his ships sassafras and valuable woods but no gold to meet the london council's hopes nor any certain news of the south sea in due time he reached england and in due time he turned and came again to virginia but long was the sailing to and fro between the daughter country and the mother country and the lading and unlading at either shore it was seven months before newport came again while he sails and while england in america watches for him longingly look for a moment at the attitude of spain falling old in the procession of world powers but yet with grip and cunning left spain misliked that english new world venture she wished to keep these seas for her own only with waning energy she could not always enforce what she conceived to be her right by now there was seen to be much clay indeed in the image philip the second was dead and philip the third an indolent king lived in the escurial pedro de zuniga is the spanish ambassador to the english court he has orders from philip to keep him informed and this he does and from time to time suggests remedies he writes of newport in the first supply sire captain newport makes haste to return with some people and there have combined merchants and other persons who desire to establish themselves there because it appears to them the most suitable place that they have discovered for privateering and making attacks upon the merchant fleets of your majesty your majesty will command to see whether they will be allowed to remain there they are in a great state of excitement about that place and very much afraid lest your majesty should drive them out of it and there are so many who speak already of sending people to that country that it is advisable not to be too slow because they will soon be found there with large numbers of people in spain the council of state takes action upon zuniga's communications and closes a report to the king with these words the actual taking possession will be to drive out of virginia all who are there now before they are reinforced and it will be well to issue orders that the small fleet stationed to the windward which for so many years has been in state of preparation should be instantly made ready and forthwith proceed to drive out all who are now 
in virginia since their small numbers will make this an easy task and this will suffice to prevent them from again coming to that place upon this is made a royal note let such measures be taken in this business as may now and hereafter appear proper it would seem that there was cause indeed for watching down the river by that small small town that was all of the united states but there follows a spanish memorandum the driving out by the fleet stationed to the windward will be postponed for a long time because delay will be caused by getting it ready delay followed delay and old spain conquistador spain grew older and the speech on jamestown island is still english christopher newport was gone no ships the last refuges the last possibilities for home turning should the earth grow too hard and the sky too black rode upon the river before the fort here was the summer heat a heavy breath rose from immemorial marshes from the ancient floor of the forest when clouds gathered and storms burst they amazed the heart with their fearful thunderings and lightnings the colonists had no well but drank from the river and at neither high nor low tide found the water wholesome while the ships were here they had help of ship stores but now they must subsist upon the grain that they had in the storehouse now scant and poor enough they might fish and hunt but against such resources stood fever and inexperience and weakness and in the woods the lurking savages the heat grew greater the water worse the food less sickness began work became toil men pined from homesickness then coming together quarrelled with a weak violence then dropped away again into corners and sat listlessly with hanging heads the sixth of august there died john aspie of the bloody flicks the ninth day died george flower of the swelling the tenth day died william bruster gentleman of a wound given by the savages the fourteenth day jerome alacoc ancient died of a wound the same day francis midwinter edward morris corporal died suddenly the fifteenth day there died edward brown and stephen galthorpe the sixteenth day there died thomas gower gentleman the seventeenth day there died thomas moundsley the eighteenth day there died robert pennington and john martin gentleman the nineteenth day died drew Pigas, gentleman the two-and-twentieth day of august there died captain bartholomew gosnold one of our council he was honorably buried having all the ordnance in the fort shot off with many volleys of small shot the four-and-twentieth day died edward harrington and george walker and were buried the same day the sixth-and-twentieth day died canelm throgmorton the seven-and-twentieth day died william roods the eight-and-twentieth day died thomas studi cape merchant the fourth day of september died thomas jacob sergeant the fifth day there died benjamin beast extreme misery makes men blind unjust and weak of judgment here was gross wretchedness and the colonists proceeded to blame a and b and c lost altogether in the wilderness it was this counsellor or that counsellor this ambitious one or that one this or that almost certainly ascertained traitor wanting to steal the pinnace the one craft left by newport wanting to steal away in the pinnace and leave the mast small enough mast now without boat or raft or straw to cling to made the favorite accusation upon this count early in september wingfield was deposed from the presidency ratcliffe succeeded him but presently ratcliffe fared no better 
one counsellor fared worse for george kendall accused of plotting mutiny and pinnace-stealing was given trial found guilty and shot the eighteenth day of september died one ellis kiniston the same day at night died one richard simmons the nineteenth day there died one thomas mouton what went on in virginia in the indian mind can only be conjectured as little as the white mind could it foresee the trend of events or the ultimate outcome of present policy there was exhibited a seesaw policy or perhaps no policy at all only the emotional fit as it came hot or cold the friendly act trod upon the hostile the hostile upon the friendly through the miserable summer the hostile was uppermost then with the autumn appeared the friendly mood fortunate enough for the most feeble wretches at jamestown indians came laden with maize and venison the heat was a thing of the past cool embracing weather appeared and with it great flocks of wild fowl swans geese ducks and cranes famine vanished sickness decreased the dead were dead of the hundred and four persons left by newport less than fifty had survived but these may be thought of as indeed seasoned End of chapter three